0: Be an Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. We're up to episode 17, uh, season 3, episode 2. Are you right there, Father Ted? No, no I'm not. on the next episode after that, I think. Uh, it is series 3, episode 2,
1: James.
0: But it's not, it's not, uh... you not right there, Father Ted. No. It's Chirpy Burpy cheap, cheap Thank you very much. That was uh, the voice of Michael Keane, a member of the London Comedy Writers, who was our exclusive guest today. Second row show episode. So I'm here at the Edinburgh Festival. We're in the lovely St. Andrews Park. Or is it St Andrew's Park? Uh,
1: I think it's there's a sign saying St Andrew's Square Gardens, which I think is just ripping off the place in New York. But uh, I think it's normally just St Andrew's Square. It's been taken over by the Stand Comedy Club.
0: Ah, fantastic! Well, yes, there's a, a very hustle bustle atmosphere going on. You might hear it uh, all around us here, uh, and yeah, we've got the Ursula Burns who'll be playing music in, a, in a about twenty minutes. So we'll see if we can hear that. I us, but uh, it's a bit of a housekeeping before we get started, and. Uh, oh, actually, sorry, yes, did you want to plug anything on uh, uh, what you're doing on yeah, sure. here? Yeah, sure, I'm
1: in Battle Act Improvised Comedy every night at 10.15, don't believe the flyers, but we are also on on Mondays, so don't believe the posters either, it's an espionage on either Cowgate or Victoria Street, whether you want to go up some stairs or down some stairs when you enter the venue uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival until the end of the festival, provided we last that long.
0: Brilliant, well I'm sure you will. Uh, the, the broadcast might not be put out until the, after the festival is over, but I will, I will put a plug in. If the, the broadcast
1: doesn't go out until after the festival, then I've got to tell everyone, the show is amazing. Absolutely incredible.
0: Oh, I, I heard great things about it. They're, they're raving about it down in London and, and in New York and LA and Paris and everything. But uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, so, a bit of housekeeping for myself. On the 16th oh, September, so we're uh, taking uh, the podcast to the Culture Night Belfast. there will be a live, uh, live showing, live showing broadcast.
1: Well, I suppose if you turn up at Culture Night Belfast, then you'll be able to watch, will you?
0: Yes, you will. Then, then, that,
1: then that's a live showing?
0: It's a live showing, yeah. So it's a free entry, which is, you know, prices rise right, in the Fender-Ensky Gallery, which is in the uh, North Street in Belfast. And then the 3rd of October, uh, there's a live sketch show which I'm involved in with the Belfast Comedy Writers. So you're London Comedy Writers, at, this is Belfast Comedy Writers. And uh, it's an Alt Kraken live sketch show. So it'll be the debut of our new sketch show, Alt in the Duke of York pub. Uh, featuring sketches from Johnny and Johnny, who were on the podcast last week. So yeah, that's just the housekeeping and everything up to date. So yeah, you feeling well? You enjoying the festival so far?
1: Ah oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, it's exhausting. Um, today's Wednesday. I had my day off on Monday. Uh, I'm still j- absolutely knackered. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I was I got in at about half two last night after seeing a cabaret show at one in the morning. Uh, it's just that kind of Thing and it's ongoing all day.
0: Yeah, it, it, the shows actually start really late. Remember, actually, I didn't realize until my first game here. Like they, you think an eleven o'clock show's late, but it's not. Like the ones won't start until maybe one or half one.
1: Yeah, it's well, and, and then there are literally breakfast shows where you can go and have breakfast and watch some something. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like it and didn't. It- Program, which is the sort of big book they published, I've seen back with breakfast uh, for your classical music fans.
0: Um, Johann or or Sebastian? Or yeah, Sebastian is a the twisted sister singer.
1: Oh, I see. Uh, no, I think it's Johann Sebastian.
0: Johann. <laughs> um,
1: I I presume anyway. I, I haven't been down to it because I'm usually asleep at that time. But um, my girlfriend was playing at this cabaret gig last night at one in the morning. And then she got up to go and do a kids show, which started at eleven thirty a.m.
0: Staff dedication.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. daft.
0: Or yeah. Well, one of the D's anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into it anyway. Um, this episode is Turpym Burpy Cheap Sheep, uh, and for once the the episode title is actually quite descriptive of what's happening in the uh, episode because we have a cheap sheep. Uh fifty pounds. Tw- Twenty-three pounds. Twenty-three pounds. Sorry. sorry. Yeah.
1: Gosh check my notes but I'm pretty sure he only cost 23 pounds but there is an extra clause that will come to if his image is ever used on stamps
0: well that's yes that's true so we'll, we'll keep our for that and we'll keep a look for that uh, and it became uh, very well. it wasn't very chirpy but it was burpy and of course extremely uh, burpy uh, it was a play on the cheap 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 what's that song I don't know but it sounded lovely do it again <laughs> It is, it's like a share song or something?
1: Isn't it? It, it could well be, I'm
0: terrible on share songs, to be honest. Uh, you, you need to bone up on that, Michael, come on. Alright, <laughs> for the next time. For the next one, yeah. Um, and it features uh, Peter Deneen uh, as the giant reed. Now, I knew Peter Deneen uh, from my play Setting Up For Michael, my magnum opus in a London showing, which you were at, uh, Michael. Do you remember he was there? I do, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I
1: know, I remember him. I met him afterwards. Um, lovely fellow. Said, oh. He said you were a delight to work with.
0: Well, he's a liar. But, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, he's a lovely fellow, but clearly he's, he's talking out of his heart. No, he, he's an absolute uh, saint-like. Uh, it was a very stressful production, as all productions seem to be, but uh, he, he was able to keep keep a tap on things, and he managed to get me uh, get me actors as well the last minute, so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then we had, uh, it was uh, the whole premise of the show, was the King of the Sheep, 98.
1: King of the Sheep, 98. One of my favourite things, actually, about the show was the, the fact that it was 98, was they... um reference the fact in the episode that it's a leap year and I, I thought that was uh, some well thought out clever continuity. I mean it was also I think first broadcast in 98 so it was accurate.
0: Well I, I was going to bring that up later on but it was 98 actually, I thought 90 wasn't the leap year. Was it not? I think 96 was the leap year.
1: Oh well in that case, you're absolutely right
0: yeah. You have to be divisible before don't you? Yeah. Just bad maths. Yeah. I apologise, listeners. No, bad, well, bad maths. You don't have to apologise. Graham and Arthur have to apologise. I got a shoddy right. Yeah, design. but at the <laughs> same
1: time, maybe they can just hide behind their subversive absurdism. you well, this is true. Yeah,
0: leave you and Craggy, Craggy Could be,
1: could be, yeah. Uh,
0: but uh, yeah, so it um, starts off. So it's a very great idea for an episode. Uh, a sort of sheep beauty contest or sheep.
1: It, it's w- it, in terms of starting off. It's quite exciting. It's one of the episodes. I would imagine quite few. I haven't gone through the start of each episode categorically, but it starts with four characters that we've never seen before.
0: This is true. Really so yeah. you've
1: got Fargo, um, uh, Boyle, Giant Reed, Hud Hastings, and of course Chris, the Champ Sheep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Star of the show.
1: Star of the show every year, uh, and they're just chatting about it. Like if you're watching it now, it could only be Father Ted. There's a kind of a circus tent with a sheep in it, but uh, I, d- I do think it's, it's quite a bold, exciting choice. And then Ted comes in and has a chat with uh, with Fargo about Chris's chances and how he's put the entire winter heating budget on him winning.
0: Well, this is it, yeah, because we had a guest on the podcast before, Sean. Uh, he thinks that uh, Ted might have a bit of a gambling problem, and this would sort of back that up. If not a problem, then at least uh, you know a dangerous well, addiction.
1: He, he keeps losing, doesn't he? And that that would be my definition of a gambling problem. A problem yeah. <laughs> not backing winners.
0: Well, this is true. Yes, this is true. Uh, so he put, the, as you say, he put the entire heating allowance, which is would have been quite a big, quite a big bet, like.
1: And probably a very, oh, a huge bet, especially on somewhere like Craggy Island. Yeah. Um, has the they the, they've already had a tree crash through the ceiling at this stage, right?
0: uh yes where the the rain was coming in yes uh yeah they had fundraisers for that and yeah 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 and it all
1: went awry so um so the stakes could not be higher folks that's what we learned in scene one yeah
0: so yeah so straight, straight in and the uh, turns out that the the local the local betting man the local is like, is uh john from john and mary's ah! 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 and you can stay in there till you learn some manners. And I've thrown away the key. How do you like that, huh? Hello, John. Hello, Father Crilly. Hello, Father Maguire. <laughs> where's, uh, where's Mary? Oh, she's away at her mother's. No! Hello! Um, is there someone in the cupboard? Hello, fathers. <laughs> Mary? Oh uh, Mary, I, I forgot you were there. I, I thought you were at your mother's. No, I didn't go to me mother's after all. I'm in the cupboard. <laughs> Mary, what are you doing in there? Oh, uh, I know. It's because of this beast of craggy island thing. I thought that Mary would be safer in the cupboard. That's right. I'm better off here. What can I do you for, Father? A uh, uh, pack of 20 carols. Certainly, Father. Uh, I'll get them, love. You stay in the cupboard. <laughs> John, uh, can I have a word? Is Father McGuire here? I am. Hello, Mary. <laughs> Lovely day, isn't it, Father? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking great, anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, Father. A bet's a bet. It's just that if the girl doesn't have the operation, she won't be able to fetch water for her village. I am sorry, Father. It's a pity you didn't wait, though. The odds have lengthened to 20 to 1, on account of Chris's nervous troubles. Anyway. Your cigarettes. Uh, thanks. Ted, they don't have the sound effects album. We might as well just go. Bye, Father. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you're satisfied. Ah, shut up! And he reminded me. Uh, at first, it struck me as odd that he would have the line in gambling, but then I remembered of a, a little shop in Fintner, um which uh, was just a big grocery shop, sort of like uh, John and Mary's. And by the side, they had an SP uh, oh, stand, yeah. sta- starting price betting, and it sort of explained why everyone in the town called the man had the pat the spa. <laughs> For years I couldn't figure out why he was called <laughs> Pat the because he didn't seem Excuse to have me. any particular, uh, you know, visible affliction.
1: That's fantastic.
0: But yeah, that was what it was. How, how rude. But yes, well, this is an older time. It,
1: to be fair, it doesn't... It doesn't actually specifically state that uh, the the bookies, or the book, I guess, that John is running is actually licensed or legal. That's what I was thinking um, as well, yeah. And it's... Uh, uh, especially because... Uh, so, um, of course, domestic abuse abounds. Yeah. At, yes. <laughs> at the top of John and Mary scene, but uh, Mary gets locked in the cupboard, and, it, um, and then Ted comes in and they exchange the usual pleasantries, uh, and then he says to John, can I have a word with you a moment, and they move away from the cupboard, so maybe Mary doesn't even know that John's running the book, and he's just, he's doing it on the sly, unlicensed, a bit like Mo the Bartender. Uh, or me at my cousin's wedding two years ago oh
0: you you were running you were running rackets were you? it
1: was uh, the, on, the, on we- the the uh, wedding? dropped
0: first glass or something? no or? no the <laughs> wedding
1: was actually a gambling pretty standard at weddings isn't it? Uh, or certainly a few I've been into been in terms of betting on the length of the speech uh, no, <laughs> no my, my cousin got married on Grand National Day oh okay, um, yeah that'll do it yeah. and, we, and we were miles away from uh, a bookie's and with no real uh, data coverage so um, I decided that I'd I'd be the bookie for the day and of course it was grand National. nobody backed the winner
0: so so you made out like a bandit
1: absolutely oh is
0: it not really uh, stressful and confusing trying to keep up with the betting patterns and stuff and odds and th- like where are we getting the odds from
1: uh i i brought the paper with me uh, in case i got bored after lunch and uh just to well i took the odds from the paper i have them because you know, a, a captive market.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: no, so I didn't want to pay out too much. Uh, no, I mean I had them in my favour. So anything that was on a twenty to one, I put down as ten to one.
0: That's ah, what nice. I offered,
1: and people go, "That's no odds at all." And it's like, "Well, okay." So you see someone else taking bets around here? It's all gone. And of course, the field of so many horses. No one, no one backed the winner. And then uh, my, another, a cousin-in-law, my cousin's husband. Said, well, now you have to buy everyone a drink. And I no, Chris, that's not how it works. <laughs> I
0: have your money now. So I keeping yeah. Did you make a nice penny then?
1: I was not, not bad. I mean, I was up on the day, you know.
0: North, north of 300 euro? No,
1: not quite. Not oh, okay,
0: quite. No, it's not too bad then, you were. I, I was alright. You weren't fleecing them too hard? No. Uh, oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, uh, as you said, there's the three cronies, as I'm going to call them. Uh, well, Fargo Boyle and his three cronies, uh, Giant Reed and. What was his name? Hud Hastings. Hastings. Yeah, I heard that. I couldn't figure out what he was saying. But uh, the inside start describing a beast uh, in front of our, our hero, Chris the Sheep. Have you heard about this creature going around terrorising sheep on the island? No. Tell me more.
1: <laughs> they say it's as big as a jaguar.
0: The cat? No, the big cat thing. <laughs> uh, and its face is all teeth. Big white teeth as sharp as knives. Has it killed you? Oh, Do, but it's only a matter of time. I hope it doesn't get any of my sheep. No man's sheep is safe. Oh
1: dear. Oh. Oh. oh, 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 oh.
0: started as a big as big as a jaguar what the the car yeah see as as an improv artist you should have known that his initial response should be yes even bigger but he said he said no is it only as big as a cat he should have said the car because that's you know that's even more scary for a sheep.
1: yeah i suppose it is Uh, i don't know how big a jaguar cat
0: actually is Uh, well for a visual reference for the podcast listeners I would imagine it's about the, the size of that uh, fence we're sitting inside or that uh, chef we're sitting inside okay
1: grand well that's that's a decent I wouldn't like to be assaulted by a beast of that magnitude but that uh, there's a it's th- their
0: speed you see their speed it's more the, the frightening thing
1: oh I see
0: so they, they can, are they, they quite spe- stealthy
1: as well they sort of slink along yeah. they do that shoulder number
0: Yes, that's the one yeah but
1: do they um, like whenever you hear about an escaped cat or something they go it's a, 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 like one that's been spotted not one that's known to have escaped I remember I was in, in France a couple of years ago and there was supposed to be some kind of escaped cat near Disneyland um, and, right. a, and a similar thing happened down on the moors in I think Devon and, and like this cat was g- g- killed recently yeah and it had like it, it had escaped in the 80s and um, from God knows where but but they, they say it's a large feline type creature about the size of a jaguar, and it looks like a jaguar, and you like, it's probably a jaguar.
0: a jaguar, what do you reckon? <laughs>
1: but it seems to be the sort of go to standard uh, wild animal that is yeah. inexplicably roaming around. No one goes, Well, there's a lion out there, because everyone goes, well, That's ridiculous. Well, that's just
0: stupid. As if a lion's going to be wandering around.
1: Yeah, people Fintner, pe-
0: right? people, people take <laughs> notes. There was actually a, an escaped beast of Fintner. Uh Was there? Yeah. It was on you know, UTV News and everything for a while, but uh, I think it turned out just to be... Well, th- there was some like eccentric pet collector. Oh, right. Who, yeah, I think he just lost control of one of his animals. But this is a, it's a real problem, apparently, that, uh, especially uh, in America, people buy these really exotic pets. Oh, yeah, then and they then they can't keep them. Well, they out. realize, shit, this, this massive snake is going to take over my whole living room and just, like, eat Let me out of house, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite, <laughs> yeah. quite literally yeah. Where's, the, where's
1: the youngest child kind of thing um, yeah, it's funny a, a friend of mine yesterday was up from London to see his wife in a play and uh, he showed me a video on his phone of he, he, so they've just bought this house and the fireplace was blocked up but they came down one morning and heard something scratching around behind it so they took away the sort of thing that was boarding it up which I think was a sort of sheet of metal or iron or something Right. right and this bright green parakeet dropped out as so they phoned the uh, RSPB the bird people and they went oh yeah where do you live at uh, Dulwich um, or no it's Lewisham, but it does southeast London and um, and they went uh, oh yeah there's loads of them around there they escaped from some zoo That's or the menagerie yeah. in, <laughs> in the 70s and um, they've been a complete menace to the local bird population so, you know, you're down there in this fairly innocuous piece of South London stroke Kent, and you've got tropical parrots. Yeah, interesting
0: no, I used to live uh, falling immersion.
1: Falling down people's chimneys. I, did, I didn't
0: realize they had a yeah a falling down chimneys uh, thing, but uh, there's a Manor House Gardens right, in Hether Green where I was living. Yeah. And all the birds in the trees are all like green, like uh, tropical parrots. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, somebody did tell me that, yeah, basically started breeding, and now they're sort of habitat, uh, habitating there. Is habitating? Habitating? Inhabiting? Inhabiting—that's the word. Uh, so yeah. So he, he, I bet you, I've probably seen the particular one that was on your friend's chimney right, at one point. Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So. God,
1: could we go off on any more tangents? Uh,
0: the, the more, the better. Uh,
1: okay, why not? Yet? It's all filler. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, then the two lads—they just go out to say. Uh, so a- after, uh, no, the big cat thing, which doesn't really need the word thing. Um, and then they have this great little no man's sheep is safe.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Really
1: sinister. Uh, And then they just have an oo off where each of them says,
0: It's funny though, because there was another sheep standing right beside Chris, which given that both of those people were also entering sheep, Yeah. How did it not affect that sheep?
1: Well, as Fargo says later on in the episode, uh, Chris has always had a very artistic temperament.
0: Yes, he has. And I want to bring that up actually. Uh, Artistic temperaments. We are at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival. Indeed. Uh, There's there's about nine festivals happening at the same time in Edinburgh. There's loads,
1: yeah. There's the International Festival, the Literature Festival?
0: It's not a word. Book Festival. (laughs) Book Festival, uh, the Military Tattoo, the Edinburgh International Television Festival, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Uh, So there'll be a lot of artistic temperaments around here. But one of the ones that uh, uh, I came up with, like, well, that I remembered, uh, probably the worst example, Pavel Ditt, Dimitri Kent, uh, Dmitry Tchenko, from the Bolshoi Ballet, he threw acid in his director's face about three or four years ago, did you hear about that? I did, yeah. Yeah, it was fucking ample.
1: Uh, That was, that's, That is crazy stuff. And apparently
0: the reason was because the director didn't give uh, Pavel's wife a part in the ballet.
1: Ah, uh, fair enough then, actually.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you got to stick by your own and so. stuff. But I was going to think, is there any examples you can think of of just people you've worked with, you don't, you don't have to name names or you may do if you wish?
1: Mad artistic temperament. Um, like, artistic temperaments are supposed to be a good thing. There aren't any great examples. I know some... Some of the, like, great stories uh, Like, people talk about artistic temperament, but there's so much stuff that just goes on in an artistic environment that wouldn't happen in a, a sort of ordinary, inverted commas, workplace. It, like, there's this great story about the, the stones, the rolling stones. Right. Um, you know Charlie Watts, the drummer, is... Uh, like, he, like he's always very well turned out he's a really sharp dresser and um,
0: he's he's a, a teetotaler he? yeah. as
1: well yeah Obviously. so so he' he goes to bed early and stuff anyway they were in one hotel, uh, one hotel somewhere and uh, at about three o'clock in the morning jaggers down in the bar uh, don't know if he's sober or not um, but anyway apparently he phones up Charlie Watts' room and uh, Charlie Watts' woken up, answers the phone and goes, hello? And Jagger, on the phone in the bar, goes where's my fucking drama? (laughs) 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 Right, so what's what's hangs up? Gets out of bed, has a shower, shaves, puts on a brand new three-piece suit and a pair of newly polished robes, goes downstairs in the lift, walks into the bar where Jagger's sat up next to the bar on a high stool punches him full force in the face, and goes, I'm not your fucking drummer, you're my fucking singer. <laughs> Turns around and goes back to bed.
0: <laughs> oh, so he got showered and everything just to... Just to, <laughs> just to do that. And then go back in.
1: Yeah, no, it could be it could be an urban legend, but it's one of my favorite I stories do think, of artists. I
0: do think I've heard that one before, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, no, artists, yeah. But you do say, you say that sort of that doesn't happen in uh, ordinary workplaces. That's not true. I'd say mean, it does, but it's just they're much more tight lipped in corporate corporate environment.
1: But yeah, that could be true actually.
0: And the fact that, you know, it probably doesn't happen as much, but the fact that it, uh, people sort of stifle their own instincts in corporate environments as well which didn't necessarily help Yeah, them.
1: and I think also probably for the sake of a company's reputation and so on, um, sometimes it gets covered up. I mean, We've learned in recent years uh, an awful lot about some very creative fund managers and accountants well, and yes, stockbrokers really and so on. Um, it is lovely to be recording this in the shadow of the headquarters of the Royal Bank of Scotland. Is
0: that, uh, That's completely unrelated is point. But well, we cut back to Ted, and I did want to bring up that he was reading a newspaper with the headline: government to Get Role in North Security." Uh, which I did want to find stuff that sort of dated uh, the shows. Oh, yeah. And I was, I, I couldn't, well, I couldn't read the actual uh, copy of the paper. It was an actual, it was actual Irish and like so it was a proper headline. Uh, but I'm not sure entirely what was referring to, or even how, whatever it When to. was a
1: Good Friday Agreement?
0: It would have been after this. It would have been after the end of the series. They would have signed it.
1: But it would have, but at the same time, I mean, I, I don't know, but a, a lot of that stuff started um, with, yeah. with John, Major, John Major, who stood yeah. down in ninety seven.
0: May ninety seven, yeah. So um,
1: which is probably the year they were
0: shooting this. Probably, yeah, because well, they would have been, shoot- uh, been shooting. They would have been shooting about yeah, so late ninety seven, early ninety eight, and then release in March ninety eight. Anyway, yeah. uh, what did
1: you find? Because I was read- well, I, could- I was reading something else in the same scene.
0: Uh, well, uh, I- a second. I just wanted to bring it up that uh, I couldn't find one. Uh, don't have any role in Northern Security at the moment. that I'm aware of. Apart Uh, from the, I think they share. I don't know. They
1: they share um, intelligence. Yeah. Uh, the guards and what is now the PSNI, but would have been the RUC then. Um, But uh, but that yeah, I I maybe that was it.
0: Well, possibly, possibly. I mean,
1: it's I I would just assume, and maybe that's lazy in me, that it's far too ordinary a headline to have been invented. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. they're, if they're going to print their own newspaper and invent something, you'd expect, especially something that's going to be in big letters and legible, it would have been more interesting than that.
0: Oh, no, uh, I do, like I said, I do think of it was a genuine newspaper from the age, uh, like it was the Indo, the Irish Indo. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but as I said, they were sharing intelligence, but there was stories of like Tom, well, Tom his name, I might have to delete that, but he was, uh, he was a known smuggler and he had his property would uh, go on both sides of the border so when the guards were investigating all they do is just take everything up the northern side of the border and they couldn't touch him and then the ruc came he'd just move everything to the other side of the border and the ruc couldn't touch them it never never occurred to them just both come at the same same time yeah yeah. (laughs)
1: coordinate guys exactly
0: exactly uh what was you were looking
1: at um well i was looking at what i think is next on your notes there which is the album that Dougal is listening to BBC Radio sound effects um, volume, four. volume 4 and uh, the track listing on
0: it. I didn't pick that up, so... The,
1: so the track listing goes um, birds singing, pots and pans clanging, uh, which are the first two sound effects that the listens to. Yeah. Then there's machine guns, is what's listed on the LP cover, but it sounds more like uh, just shotgun fire that covers ted's coffee yes yes. Uh, it, it's more of a bang 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 rather than a rat a tat a tat tat but anyway that's a small thing
0: okay well that's the whole podcast is trying to find this tiny little hole to so bring bring that show down but, the,
1: but, but so that well i mean that's that's a tiny tiny hole the next one is steam engine which does get used but then there's a flush <laughs> yeah that, that doogle plays um i think once mrs doyle comes in she's kind of depressed Um. Uh, but there's no flush on the track listing. Ah. So the next two so so basically the A side is The Birds the Pots and Pans The Guns Machine or Otherwise and a Steam Engine. They all get used, right? Then there's this Mystery Flush. Then the B side is um, Explosion Type 2 I think it is, a car revving. We don't hear either of them. And then there's The Flying Saucer which we do hear when Mrs. Doyle's talking about the beast in sort of a... Mrs. Doyle, you're all right. You look terrible, doesn't she, Dougal? Awful, Ted. I didn't get much sleep, Father. I kept thinking I heard this terrible howling noise.
0: Oh, that'd be the beast. <laughs> What's this now?
1: There's something terrible on the moors, Father. <laughs> moors? We, we don't have any moors. Well, then there's something terrible roaming around the place where normally there would be moors, Father.
0: <laughs> they think it might be a kind of giant fox. Dougal! Sorry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes.
1: And then there's the dramatic thunder.
0: Yes, yeah, it's just keep, keeping her up at night.
1: Yes, she yes, hadn't had a week of sleep worrying about the beast. And, and Ted said, what's this now? And you kind of think... I've since thinkers, Ted's usually the one who's clued in. Partly because he takes confession, I
0: suppose. But, yes, well, yeah. It's great, great gossip material in those confessionals. That's i really, really
1: <laughs> <reason. laughs> But, but he, um, he was there in the previous scene when the Beast was being discussed in front of Chris. Dougal seems to know all about it. But I think that probably just adds to the fanciful notion of the beast?
0: Well I think, see Ted sort of dismissed it all every time he heard it. Yeah. Oh. as, as the Edinburgh... Traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Bearing down the road. It's not as bad as the sirens go past my window when I'm recording the episodes though so. <laughs> at, least, right. at least it's something new. But the uh, uh, the, the record though itself, it's, it's a new avant-garde twist for Dougal's record collection.
1: Oh yeah and he thinks people give up uh, listening to pop music and listen to this sort of thing
0: instead. Well, you know it, There was a point in the 80s where you could have said that there was some very avant-garde sort of uh, Yeah,
1: oh absolutely um,
0: Sample heavy music.
1: There still is some pretty Out-there stuff out there.
0: Well, do you know Pitchfork website? Yeah, it's, it's like the you know the Bible of you know, really Avant-garde indie and every year they produce like top 100 lists and you start to listen to some of it. It's like Okay, that was a cool sample for 30 seconds, but no, not for a fucking five minute song. It just seems to be the entirety of the song. Like
1: maybe that's the point of it though, and, and it's, it's, maybe it's just supposed to come around again. Yeah. By, like like the, the ooze in the first scene that go on for way too long in this episode, between Giant Reed and, what's his name? Hod?
0: Hod Hastings.
1: Hod Hastings, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah.
0: yeah. I just wanted to bring up, yeah. so his record collection has grown, since Zero uh, Song, when he just had one record, yeah, and then uh, he got obviously all the Neve Conley records when Ted had a panic Loved by them, them to get the uh, to get the house back. I haven't heard much. Uh, I haven't heard much more from those, to be fair. But
1: uh. <laughs> well, I think he, that's the only reason he got them was to get the house back.
0: And he got them all signed, like that's a full collection. Like there must be st- just for the sheer ex- like exhaustive fact of the yeah, collection.
1: You, you wonder if a good Catholic priest would have um, maybe burned them straight away. But in oh, well, entrepreneurial tree. fashion, Ted may have found a way to sell those on to adoring fans.
0: Well, he could have given them to uh, the Spin Master.
1: He could have given them to the Spin Master. I think
0: he have one more record to play instead of just... Just the amount. one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father Jack is at one with nature during leap years. But the, the, there's a montage of him. And it reminded me of Frankenstein, the 1938 film.
1: Uh, with a little
0: I- girl by a lake.
1: I'm not so familiar with that version of the film. I like
0: the De Niro one. Uh, yes, that is a good one. The good well, you know one you see the image of Frankenstein, it's two bolts in his neck. Yeah.
1: Uh, the, is that the 38 version? Yeah. Oh, I see, okay.
0: And the famous scene is that he's finally sort of coming out of, or he's, he's gained consciousness now and he's sort of got himself on an even keel. He's been along with this girl and she's just handing a Dizzy. And he loves the fact that she's going all the patterns of the Dizzy. <laughs> Decides, oh, what if it, what happens if I pull the hair off this little child? And that's what sends the mob after him. Oh, I see. Yeah, so that that's what that reminded me. of. No, I don't know if that was intentional.
1: I'd give them the benefit of the doubt say it was.
0: Well, yeah, they, they they do have a real horror film uh, history yeah, in the show, I,
1: and I think that this is it's it, it's partly a who done it, and it's it, it's very much a kind of Sherlock Holmes thing because Ted does all the deduction. and you can see that, and it's all worked out at the end, and obviously there's the whole Hound of the Baskervilles that's versus thinking, Beast yeah. kind of thing as well. But but that's, one of the, I think one of the reasons that that's one of the most popular Sherlock Holmes books is that it has that horror element to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Of, of the mystery rather than, well, super villain, and, um, I mean, not that they all, aren't all great, but, yeah, I think they really tapped into that and enjoyed the horror.
0: And I was really looking forward to that. That uh, adaptation in the Benedict Cumberbatch version. And they absolutely skewered it. They did everything wrong. There was no no point of the book wasn't present in the T V show version of that story. Do you yeah. remember I know uh,
1: I do, I do, yeah, and there was and there was a, a medical lab and all of that. Yeah, um, and
0: it was the the Hound of Baskervilles was like this, you know, gassy sort of illusion they were coming up with. And it was like they didn't even get the name right, it's the Hounds of the Baskerville, and they called the Hound of basketball.
1: Yeah, but Jeez, isn't, guys. That, isn't that what they're doing with Sherlock?
0: Yeah, see, I want to really love that, that adaptation, I really do, but they just keep fucking up every now and then. Just
1: that episode, or the whole thing?
0: The whole thing, like, there's always just one just point part on, of it. James,
1: move on, move on.
0: I have, that, because I stopped I watching get, it. Get over it. I did, I did. Father Jack's uh, tranquility is ruined when he throws up and uses the puppy as he, uh, to wipe his mouth with.
1: Yeah but uh, it was always going to be the way. Um, it's quite clever though, because obviously this is Series 3. You need to come up with new things. Yeah. And just Jack being disgusting of itself is not... Well, it's not new. So actually what's funny is him being all peaceful and serene and being very zen and loving all things natural and pure. That's funny, because it changes what you know about him, <laughs> and then it also gives you the chance to switch back.
0: You switch back but, uh, in the sorry. most uh, egregious way possible. <laughs> yeah. i Papa, probably like it. <laughs> ah, so funny. What would the acidic content of, you know, Jack's saliva be at that point <laughs> Oh, God knows. <laughs> but, yeah, so Ted goes over to Fargo Boyle, who's phoned him in a panic. What do you mean Chris isn't in the competition? He's the champ, you have to enter him. All this talk of the beast has got to him, his nerves are shot! <laughs> I took a photo of him this morning. Nerves. I mean, Fargo, it's a sheep. He always had a very artistic temperament, father. Yeah, but, but I mean, he's not a concert pianist. He's a sheep. You know, I don't see how... Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, when you compare it with what he looked like last year... It's, it's like two completely different sheep. He's <laughs> off his food. He's not sleeping. And he started... Took bark! was like, well, he's got this artistic temperament, he's really uh, upset with his uh, beast business. And he shows him two pictures one from last year as a wedding sheep, yeah, and then again. It's like two completely different sheep.
1: Yes, um, now obviously it's the same picture
0: that's just flipped.
1: been yeah. flipped, as you can tell from the rocks in the background. Interestingly, I think the one from this year where he looks quite depressed, uh, Chris is looking to the right. And last year, when he won and was really happy, he's looking to the left. There may be a continuity issue that occurs later in the episode, but maybe the next time photos come up, we'll talk about that.
0: uh, No, go on ahead, because I I hadn't noted that down. I I I,
1: I, I think that later on, Ted's showing the same photos to Dougal, and he gets them the other way around. Now, obviously, it's the same joke, and the joke is actually that the sheep looks exactly the same. But I wondered if it was deliberate that they changed it, or, or not.
0: Uh, probably, yeah, uh, I don't know, probably not. But, uh, you know, because it's
1: the, it's the joke that Ted can't actually tell which is the happy sheep and which one isn't. Although I would say not because they seem to be able to just tell from the sheep who always looks the same. Yeah. Because it's a sheep.
0: Well, exactly, yeah.
1: By the way, did you see the who played the sheep
0: uh, on the credits? I've I seen it, Denise or something. It was a, Phyllis or something? Fatima, I, I think Fatima, that was it, yeah.
1: Yeah, Fatima. Um, so not even, not even a ram.
0: Not, in, not even a male sheep, yeah. Well, it might have been Chris for Christina. That's true. Oh, did, yeah, they do say he a lot. Yeah, they need to get their gender, their gender roles.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a nice little Casio sampling of the Father Ted theme tune. Yeah. Ding, ding, oh, yeah. With the, the bass.
1: Yeah, 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 very nice.
0: Uh, which is nice. So, uh, somebody did their work there in... in uh, yeah. Got, got the, got the MIDI
1: in. Do you get the impression that it was a bit more? I mean, it probably was a bit more high budget than, yeah, probably, you know, yeah. but that, but there
0: it's got a homemade epic, or? Yeah, that's yes. exactly it. Uh, yeah. and, which I'm, I'm obviously trying to replicate in the podcast with my my, yeah. my, my, my uh, shoestring budget podcast. Uh, and
1: we're also using all of the BBC sound effects archive. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Just having it all around us. I hope this really comes up in the mic. But 3D yeah. Sound and everything. All, all
1: the roadworks and the, the tram stop nearby.
0: I mean, no, we need a crack of thunder just to really the... Uh,
1: no thanks, I'm enjoying the heat, mate.
0: <laughs> <day. laughs> then decides he has uh, heard about the beast and he's a talented head, what thinks of. It looks like he's got a retractable legs to jump higher.
1: Yeah, um, he's got four ears, two for hearing and two of them are just backup ears. For some reason he has a tremendous fear of stamps. Uh, he's got a magnetic tail, so as if you're made out of metal, he can attach himself to you. Uh, he's as big as four cats. Uh, instead of a mouth he has, Four <laughs> uh, um, His claws as big as cups, um, and he has some ears on the inside. Uh, and then he, he, has, he his descriptions continue into the next scene. But this is while they're in bed. As ever, the bedroom is a, a, a den of entertainment and weirdness yeah. for them. <laughs> he now has this chart of like a pull-down blind yeah, pretty, of things, things that don't exist. And uh, following discussions, Ted has to insist that he adds two onto the list:
0: the Beast and the uh, Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera, yes. Did you see what else was on it? Uh Non-Catholic gods. That was the big one, yeah. Uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader, yeah. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster and Frankenstein and Magnum P.I.
1: See the Frankenstein thing there makes me think that you could be onto something with your 1938
0: reference. That's that's what a, that did sort of locking uh, into my head. I was That's thinking, why you
1: run the podcast and I'm just a guest
0: then. Well, I, it takes me about an hour to watch each episode. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there pausing every five seconds. Yeah, I, I wonder what that could be yeah. <laughs> but non Catholic gods, are not even non Christian gods, so you know, a Lutheran god doesn't exist. And uh so you, Ted's yeah. pretty zero sum when it comes to his deities.
1: Well, I suppose you have to if you're a if you're a Catholic priest.
0: Yeah, you got you gotta st- stick to the team.
1: Yeah. I mean it does throw out open the sort of Greater uh, philosophical and religious question What if you worship a Catholic God in a non Catholic way? Because, um,
0: so if you like sacrificed lambs to it or something?
1: Yeah, I, I was watching The Simpsons yesterday uh, and it was an episode where the Simpson family goes to Israel. And and I found it interesting because my parents are in Israel, in fact, they're not, they're coming back right now. But, yeah, they, they're but, in this guy. They, but they've just been there for religious reasons actually
0: oh really right Yeah, yes yeah. So
1: they went on a, on a kind of a pilgrimage I, a lot of these sites are really interesting because they're oh, what's it called the dome of the, the Dome of the rock anyway abraham who is the i guess father of the judeo-christian tradition um is also uh, has a similar role in um islam but he's known as ibrahim so you know in theory it's it's the same if it was the same God, if it was the one God talking to him, who told him to sacrifice his son Isaac, uh, which is what this holy this holy stone in Jerusalem is about, not the Clonricod.
0: Not the Record one, because um, we know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: uh, what is a non-Catholic God? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and then, as for Magnum P.I. Well,
0: that's just cruel, I think. Yeah. you can let Google have that fancy at least.
1: When did Magnum P.I. end?
0: I don't know much about the show. I'd say about nineteen ninety. What it said. Yeah. Uh, because it,
1: it, it's an interesting reference. Like I get it now, but mind you.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I wouldn't have recognised that at the time. No,
1: nor I. But I would have been at the younger end of the spectrum. But then we seem to be the ones that followed. Maybe they were trying to reach out to. Well, yeah, it's an it's older generation it's, of watching.
0: Yeah, that really latched onto it. or still latching onto it. Um, yeah. I'm 31. We thirty-one. 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 I'm thirty-one in September. So yeah. Good luck. But uh, the weather news? Uh, they're both reading. This seems to be a yearly periodical.
1: Yep. They've obviously got some effort there with the newspapers. And I like the attention to detail. I couldn't read what was on the back of last year's weather news. It was something about the sun, right. about it being sunny, um, as it was uh, warm winter ahead. The on this year's one, it's uh, cold winter ahead, and the weather new And and then there's a little. Um, Sort a special article in the top right-hand corner saying, Big Freeze special.
0: <laughs> they, they, do, they do love their new thing. I think. I think they love their news humour as well. We, uh, should,
1: we should also point out at this stage, uh, in reference to the title, that Chris has started burping through nervousness. Oh, yes, um, yes. So chirpy burpy cheap sheep. And Ted makes the point in the bedroom scene that no burping sheep has ever won it. And Dougal, quite correctly, pulls him up on it. A bit like Andy Murray pulling up John Inredale. And, say, and, <laughs> and said, What about Big Brendan 1983? Is it 83? That was yeah, a fluke. It was a fluke. <laughs> yeah. But still, you have to point these things <laughs> out. Yeah. I,
0: yes, I didn't, I didn't and, actually write that down. So any, any, anyone
1: who didn't um, p- pick up on the Andy Murray thing, after he won the Olympic gold medal this year, 2016, um, just for those who discovered this in posterity, um, <laughs> John Inverdale for the BBC said, You're the first person to win two Olympic gold medals. He went, Well, I think. Venus and Serena have won about four each.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, you you think, you think he'd know that. I think he misphrased it. I think he meant consecutively. Um, right, okay. Because I think Venus and Serena sort of alternated them.
0: Uh, and doubles as well. Yeah. I don't think it's as, uh, as bad as everyone was making out. It's, it's, it's no, more... I
1: think it's just because it's John Inverdale and he's annoyed a few people. Steve Redgrave stormed off screen the other day with
0: him. I missed that, but I heard so about I what missed it. I
1: missed it. I don't know. I just read about it
0: and uh, some of his ears are on, are on the inside of his head and when he yawns it sounds like Liam Neeson uh, chasing a load of hens around inside a barrel Dougal says <laughs> when the beast yawns it sounds like Liam Neeson
1: that's oh, yeah, that's on the way to John and Mary's yes um, Yeah. the, previ- the previous glimpse we've had of Dougal is in Ted's bed after he turns the light back on after hearing, hearing a howl but yeah
0: and he's the big spoon he's the big spoon yeah uh, but imagine what uh Liam Neeson chasing chasing hands around a barrel would be in <laughs> <laughs> <A> specific <laughs> set <amazing>. of circumstances
1: <laughs> in fact i don't know why but i've been watching the simpsons a lot at the world's biggest arts festival <laughs> and uh, Liam Neeson was playing a priest and they're also very religious heavy episodes and um, Liam Neeson was playing a priest in one episode so he, he i guess he does get everywhere
0: yeah well this would have been before taken and everything in fact this would have been very soon after Michael Collins
1: Oh, yeah, so he. But,
0: so he not even be that big in America at that point, would he? No.
1: Well, I don't know. He
0: had, he had done Shinver.
1: He hadn't, yeah, he'd done Schindler, Uh But he hadn't done Star Wars.
0: Yes, right, no, actually, which w- would have catapulted well, him Wars to. would
1: have been later, yeah. Superstar
0: like, yeah. But Father Ted
1: was. I remember going to New York January 1999. We we did a, a bus tour of the city because my dad loves doing them. Right. And, <laughs> Open um, top ones, yeah. Yeah, and, nice and, and the guy doing it, although we were inside because it was January, it was freezing. <laughs>
0: In New York? <laughs> yeah. So we get,
1: uh, anyway, the tour guide was um, obviously part time stand up comic. At one point he found out we were Irish and he went, Oh my god, I love Bally Kiss Angel. We all do. Uh, and my dad, who was not a great Father Ted fan, he just said, Oh, wait till you get Father Ted. And the guy goes, Wait till we what? Wait till you get Father Ted. I, I don't know that. Anyone heard of Father Ted? And there were these two Australian people behind us who were big Father Ted fans. I don't know if they didn't sell it to America then, or people just didn't view it.
0: They tried selling it. I think it got, it, it might have gotten what would have been the precursor to BBC America. Okay. But uh, America wasn't ready for it. It was like <gasps> they're they're disgracing the priests. They're disgracing the Catholic Church. is an outrage. Apparently, they've been trying to get remakes of it ever since, and different uh different locations like you know we're trying to get in boston it was gremlin and it was like, just missed the point completely yeah yeah and then another one was in you know wisconsin somewhere surely, surely the most obvious well the most obvious place would be somewhere in alaska or something yeah.
1: but i i don't know yes that's true but i just don't know why would you not
0: just watch the original yeah just take the original yeah um
1: but I mean, there's
0: a lot of irish jokes that even english people don't get in yeah that's true so if you add Irish and English jokes it's that Americans wouldn't get to see so
1: yeah but one of the things is that non-Irish British people most of them would know someone Irish yeah, true, yeah. so if it's if you don't get the it's it's, oh, it's the Irish people having a laugh yeah then it's sort of oh we've been there whereas in the States a lot of the time if you're I mean even the term Irish does not mean Irish. I saw a production of The Glass Menagerie the other night. Uh, and, uh, you know, this guy's described as being Irish. He's American. He was born and raised in an America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was at a... <laughs> Three generations ago, yeah. I was at, I was at, a, I was at a concert in, um, in California in 2006. I just realised it's getting a bit... getting you with the travel. Yeah.
0: But, um, <laughs> Drop any more for the locations, can you? <laughs> no, no, it's great.
1: I know. I was, at, I, was at a, I was at a Paul Simon gig. And... Um, there were these two guys next to my friend and me, and they were saying, I'm really looking forward to this. Far, like, yeah, actually, we've, we've come all the way from Ireland. Um, we're Irish. And he went, oh, wow. No way, I'm Irish. And I was like, okay. Where, where in Ireland are you from? <laughs> and he was like, well, my grandmother was from Tipperary. And I like, yeah, but so you're not actually Irish. He went, well, I'm Irish. That's what Irish is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, was- Irish means you're actually
0: from the place. Yeah. so it's like... These you are know, like Notre Dame, the fighting Irish. They can't even say yeah. Notre Dame, probably. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, I, was, I was going to say a quick story about you. American
1: listeners, voice. we love
0: you. Yeah, uh, we got Richard in uh, Washington State and we got another guy in Atlanta. Who be over, another year. guy whose name you can't remember? Uh, Darth Week is his Reddit username. Oh, right. okay. So, uh, nice, yeah. fair enough. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, as you said, John and Mary, <laughs> he gets her sort of locked in the a, in a, in a wardrobe. But they didn't get the story right this time. No. John said, "I think she's away." She was, no, she's, she's at no, her maybe. mother's. Yes,
1: and she kicks off very briefly.
0: Yeah. So, is it, the threads are starting to appear. Yeah. The gossip's going to start. You can't have that, like.
1: Yeah, and and uh, you the they they have. Did you? The, what's the episode Hello, where they arrive at the door? And,
0: yes. Um, He's no friend of mine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that one. And you think, well, hang on now, lads. You're bickering all the way up to the house. Anyone could be looking out the window or see you over the wall.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, is it? Do they maintain the pretense for the whole community, or, or is it just for the priests? Ted? Yeah.
1: Maybe it's just for the priests.
0: Yeah. See, I, I could never. I don't think you ever see them in front of anyone else. so no. it's, it's hard to tell. See, I always assumed that the joke was for the whole the whole island. But
1: you do see before Ted and Dougal go into the shop. You see uh, Fargo coming out of the shop. With a yellow LP underneath his
0: coat, which you see much more clearly in the flashback later yes, on the episode. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so when when he he comes out, that's when they decide to push each other in. So maybe it is to keep the pretense for everyone.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I guess so. So yeah,
0: they're letting the mask slip, anyway. Yeah, not good. Well, at least the divorce referendum would come through by this point, so they're all right now. Like, <laughs> but uh, when uh, t- when Dugo. It's a gets a moment alone when uh, no, Ted and no, no, John are talking about the batting. <laughs> he decides to start shoplifting chupper chups. Yeah. First dishonest thing that I think I've seen Dougal do. No. Well, Apart from you know kick the odd uh, kick the odd sports per- sports competitor down. Yeah. Is
1: that the first? Well, that's dishonest the most thing.
0: dishonest thing. Yeah. Has
1: he never lied to Ted
0: before? He, no, he, he he never seems to need to. Ted's the one who's the, the compulsive liar. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, uh, you know, the only other thing you could say was the solace was like when uh, Father Dable hit the whistle for him. But even yeah. then, it was more just Father Dable was just using them to you.
1: Christmas special.
0: Right, so I skipped over that, so, yeah, hit over it. Uh,
1: so he, um, he comes down in the middle of the night to pretend that he's won the award, and uh, Ted goes... Uh, oh no, he comes down in the middle of the night to watch the scary film. And then he screams, Ted comes running downstairs and he goes, Dougal, I told you not to watch that film. And Dougal says, no, I wasn't watching it Ted. I just came down to what I carried the milk around.
0: <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> um,
1: but uh, no, in general, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 does Dougal have a moral compass or is he just a sort of a, I'll have that.
0: And just, just decides to have himself. Well, when he thinks that Mary's looking at him, Mary oh, yeah. says, oh, you're, you're looking, looking well. Then he starts saying, "Oh shit! I've been, I've been duped here." Busted. Yeah, uh, and then Mary does get her, gets final say in the argument anyway when she punches him through the. Oh yeah, it, that was brilliant. Yeah,
1: and that got a little round of applause when she punches John through the door of the wardrobe.
0: Yeah, the, the audience today was very uh, hooter and hollery.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, at the end of the episode, uh, when they uh, when they hold on the boxes, yeah, which we'll get to, they, yeah. they, they were. <laughs> And I was I was watching watching some news for another joke to come because there was like two minutes left or something. But uh, yeah, it, it was odd. So so they're obviously on Mary's uh, on Mary's side. When I do my uh, tribute show, uh, Father Ted tribute show, we have a, co- a competition where uh, we're all singing, and Mrs Doyle does the tea will go on, uh, I go on go on. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she wins competition, and everyone in the crowd, without feel, are all really happy like. I was like well what am I sure she gets a tough time yeah what she does was her little victories yeah her little victories uh, but Dougal tapes all those conversations much like Richard Nixon used to do <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was expecting that to come back in the episode uh, as a sort of and uh, here's proof yeah and it didn't so it was just a little uh, just for the use of a joke I stand corrected <laughs> uh, And did you think that uh, Fargo looked like a Big advice
1: uh, I suppose he did a bit actually. I mean, he's got a, a big fur coat that resembles your man's dressing gown.
0: Yeah. Um. D- uh, David Huddleston, the late great, uh, who played Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back.
1: Yeah. He did a bit. Um. It like it was an interesting place to set that scene. It's just up against a wall. I was more distracted in that moment. So he's wearing this fur coat.
0: Oh no! Not uh, not uh, not John Reed, Fargo.
1: Oh Fargo. In, uh, oh, when he comes out with his.
0: Well, just in general, his face, I think, actually resembles him. There's just. Sometimes the camera caught him, and it was like, Jesus, you, you could. This is where the brother's like. But anyway, back to. I'd have,
1: I'd have to watch that again. But
0: do, because, you know, it, it caught me a few times. I was trying to, kept trying to dismiss it to myself, and I was like, no, that's from another angle, it still looks like him. It but.
1: It's, it's a while since I've seen the LeBasco, although there's a big poster of him outside my venue, because. Uh, they do White Russians in the bar.
0: So, oh, okay, right. So, um, well, there's there's a So I'll have, a, I'll
1: have a look on my way into work tonight.
0: Do you, yeah, do. You. What was you were going to say about giant reed in front from the wall?
1: So he's wearing this fur coat. Yeah. Which is fairly conspicuous, and that's why I, was, I thought you were talking about him, because it, it it looks like because the big Lebowski goes around in his robe all the time, Yeah. About, um, and he's sort of struggling on a bicycle. Comically. Yeah. In the background, though, there are loads of uh, old-fashioned um, plows and tilling materials to be horse-drawn. But they're all pink and kind of spindly. Right. Um, it, it, was, it was just a lo-
0: it was jarring just, wasn't it? It was
1: just pink, old-fashioned pink farmyard machinery. And I just think, it, and I, I hope they went, oh my God, that's weird. Let's just put that in the back yeah. of the shop. <laughs> it looks like a flamingo graveyard or something.
0: Yeah, I didn't actually notice the background. I was actually paying attention. Because uh, as, uh, as I say at the end of the episode, the flashbacks are much yeah. more overt. And, and,
1: and there's, a, there's a price tag. Yeah,
0: £1,000. So I was looking to see if that was in this shot. But then, it's like, where is he cycling from? Because as you say, he's literally just in front of a, a three-foot wall. So he's, he's got his bike, even though he can't actually get up he on it. Yeah, he can't cycle. Yeah.
1: And he's trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. And then he does this little... Um, hiding his face with his hand
0: after waving type to them? Thing.
1: after waving yeah. to them
0: <laughs> so it's like, they acknowledge you there they know it's you, and now you're yeah. going to try and hide your face and
1: it's very odd, and someone else does it later on in the episode, so
0: yeah, the conspiracy theory or the conspiracies in Craig Island
1: yeah, and I, I just wonder if it, they they lifted it from a favourite film or episode or something that they're trying to send up or homage to?
0: possibly, possibly, yeah. I didn't think didn't of that
1: um, yeah, But, Mrs. Uh,
0: this is, this is Doyle, so this uh, basically uh, Ted and Dougal take uh, Chris in this evening and nurse him back to hell.
1: Do you think would our new guest like a cup of
0: tea, Father? <laughs> the little sheep fellow?
1: I don't think they drink tea, Mrs. Doyle. Not unless you have some special sheep tea. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> what?
1: I do have some sheep tea in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> oh, right, well, um, give, give him some of that then.
1: Okay, so.
0: And Mrs Doyle suggests that you make him some tea. Yes, a little sheep
1: fellow.
0: Yeah, Tess says, well, I'm sure they don't have, unless you have some special sheep tea. Oh, yeah, I do. And Just in, in the in the kitchen there.
1: One of my favorite things about, um, different episode again, uh, the Pat Mustard episode, as you get to see him to the kitchen.
0: Yes, yes, for the very first time. Although you had no, you have seen Ted Dugdale struggle. Oh, yeah, just struggling to make a
1: cup of tea. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it becomes more, much more prominent. Than Pat Mustard, which is the next episode, actually. So, uh, that's stay just, tuned. Stay tuned. But, uh, Victoria E Armstrong, also from Belfast Comedy Writers. So, uh, excellent. Listen out for that. Uh, but Mrs Doyle sort chuffed herself when Ted suggested she could make some uh, sheep tea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How long has that sheep tea been sitting in the? <laughs> yeah,
0: just waiting for. Uh,
1: Waiting, waiting for a, a, a willing mouth. And what does she serve it in? I'd like to have just seen her.
0: Yeah. yeah. In, a, in a trough or something? or
1: Maybe. She probably has a special
0: tea, a, tea trough and saucer. And she wouldn't have served it boiling, I'm sure.
1: I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a, a special sheep tea because it can infuse when the water isn't boiling.
0: Maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll have to look into that. Uh, science. We'll never me know. that. Uh, and then we had an M people montage, which uh, really did at the episode. I've heard the M people in fucking years. Oh, it was Go great.
1: Search for the hero inside yourself. Heather Small.
0: Heather Small, yeah. Um, massive, massive. What I hair. really
1: liked about the montage, actually, was that Ted and Dougal maintained sort of neutral expressions throughout, poker faces. So you d- So by the end, the joke that Ted plays on Fargo when he comes around to pick him up. It, it, I'm, I'm sorry. He like he was playing it on the audience as well. Yeah, yes,
0: yeah, so he didn't actually know yeah. which yeah. way it would But uh, some some of the things they did put him in uh, f- floating on a rowboat, just tranquilly across the uh, across the waterline, mm-hmm. uh, listening to ambient sounds so was another uh, record yeah. in the collection. And then floating in an isolation chamber, uh, th- completely so they- submerged. By the way, I don't know if that's how isolation chambers are supposed to work. You're not supposed mm. to be able to keep your head above water.
1: I suppose if you're a sheep, that's difficult to do them, because your head's at the same level as your arse.
0: Is it not slightly higher though?
1: No? I don't know. I've never been one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But they have, they've managed to find a, managed to find a, you know, a breeding apparatus for Then Ted starts to notice things aren't quite adding up. <laughs> Is that Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a crown.
1: Things are a bit weird. Yeah,
0: th- things. He starts noticing things are a bit off.
1: Well, the the mistake actually is Fargo's, in a way, because Fargo says, "Can I take you for a? Can I take you for a drink?"
0: He. Uh, it's when he
1: goes for a drink that he sees, Hod Hastings has a crown, and two female companions. Yeah. <laughs> One of whom is dressed in sort of tiger print, is drinking a fancy-looking orange cocktail. And another one who isn't, she's strictly Coke. Or Pepsi, or Cola.
0: <laughs> Which one do you reckon is getting lucky that night, do you think? Or is he that rich, that get both? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's, that's
1: you know, just having their company is probably quite lucky.
0: Yeah, true, true. As you say, they're not very conspicuous with their newfound wealth. Like, uh, if they were in good fellows, Robert De Niro would already have his white though.
1: That's true, yeah.
0: He, he was very... Uh, he was
1: very opposed to that. That pub that we were that they were in, uh, I think I visited last month.
0: Really? Where, where is it? It's
1: in Clare. Um, I, a lot of... I've, I've got two aunts. Sorry now, we've just been distracted by yeah, a, a, crazy fat, man. a fat well, man <laughs> trying to kill a wasp with a lunchbox. Or something. Um,
0: uh, <laughs> Anyway. The fringe, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <The fringe.
1: laughs> Better give him some cash. Dinner in a show. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the locations were around West Clare. Where I, I, two of my aunts have a house, right. so I just went on holiday there, and um, this pub is in a town, uh, uh, it's in Enniskerry. Ah, right, yes, yes. A- And uh, there's a fair bit of Father Ted paraphernalia around it, and the public's very different now because, like, they used to drink in there a fair bit, and the proprietor of the place. Um, when they used it a couple of times as a location, they said, "I oh, will give you some money. And I was like, ah, sure, don't worry about that. Um, but they shipped him over loads of stuff props from and London. Like, stuff like, um, you know, old fashioned signs and ads for whiskey or cigarettes or tobacco. Yes, yeah. So the place is just full of them, as well as various uh, um, little bits of Father Ted paintings. Oh,
0: fantastic. Well, I was going to bring up the fact that it was a pub where you could, the beer taps are something you could actually see over. Yeah. And that's, you know, they're actually down at bar level, not, uh, you know, oh, uh, above a head level. That really annoys me. That was one of my pet peeves is that you go to a pub, uh, or I used to work in a lot of pubs, and I couldn't actually speak to the customers without doing some sort of dance around the, around the beer taps, like, because you're trying to see around to see, see what they're saying. They're all, all the, they're competing to see who the highest uh, tap is. Yeah. And then they started competing to see who had the tallest glass. So now, glasses, bar glasses don't fit in bar shells anymore because they're all friggin', you know, about uh, nine inches tall. Like.
1: It's, it's just, uh it's with O'Leary in the grave, James. You it know
0: is. what I mean? Yes, yes, Romantic Ireland. It's dead, dead and
1: gone.
0: And gone. Oh, it's all changed, changed So Ted and Dougal uh, try to chase down the beast when they hear the sounds. Uh, and
1: well, also because Dougal's let Chris escape.
0: Oh yes, of and, course. And yeah. he's
1: taken to doing this thing of recording conversations because he thinks that Ted misleads.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, we have mentioned that Ted is a bad influence on him, so maybe that's uh, you know reasonable precaution Dougal's taken.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Um, anyway, it turns out that Dougal's wrong as usual. As always. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Dougal, I told you to keep the front door closed. Uh, now just hold it there, Ted. <laughs> What's that? The beast! Come on! How do we know which way to go? Sheep, like all wool-bearing animals, instinctively travel north, where it's colder and the mud is so stuffy. So we have to go north. Which way is north? I I don't know. Quick! (laughs) It
1: seems to be coming from all around us. The Sioux Indians in the
0: Arizona desert used to be able to pinpoint the exact location of buffalo by gauging the position of the moon and putting their ears to the ground. Actually, Ted, maybe the sound is coming from that stereo. But uh, yeah, so they go well, and the sound seems to be all around them, and they realise it's, uh, it's actually hi-fi stuck in a tree.
1: Yeah, while Ted is, has his uh, his face pressed to the ground, I think this is one of those really nice moments where. Ted fails at trying to be clever, Google just doesn't try to be clever.
0: Yes, yeah. And I
1: remember when I I sort of, I think I read an interview with uh, Arthur Matthews and Graham Lennon, uh, or maybe they said it in the script book. Um, I need to say uh, hi to my friend Lucy, who I became best friends with after we won a Father Ted quiz in our first week at university and it's her birthday. Oh, Oh, fine, happy
0: happy, birthday Lucy. Happy birthday Lucy. 17th of August.
1: That, that they said that uh, it's it's about a number of stupid priests living together on an island. And I hadn't hitherto sort of bought into the idea, because Dougal's so stupid, I hadn't looked at Ted and gone, you're stupid. Yeah. Uh, and because when I first watched it, it was one of the, I, I still, I didn't have an idea of this is how a sitcom is and here's how Father Ted's different. It's just Father Ted is a sitcom. It's
0: funny, yeah. Um,
1: when, now when, you, when I watch it, having seen so many other shows, and having lived a life, James, and ha- <laughs> having been to the school of yeah.
0: m- Hard um, m- medium soft mugs,
1: <laughs> um you, you kind of go, God, you know, Ted actually is an idiot as well, and more so because he actually has the intelligence to not have to be such an idiot. Yeah. So he, you know, and he's trying to do this thing, sue Indians by getting the position of the moon, uh, putting their ear to the ground.
0: Which is clearly bullshit, because they wouldn't have got the position of the moon from the... Put the ear to the it's ground. It's half to the
1: point, it? Yeah,
0: pointless. Like, yeah. Surely point. all I have to do is look. And yeah. see where the light source is coming from. Even on a cloudy day you can see vaguely where the moon is. Yeah. Yeah. But But he comes up. He, I think he was auditioning for uh, Two-Face when so he came up with, <laughs> it <was laughs> it perfectly. It, half. it. was a perfect line, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Also
1: write down his collar as yeah. well. <laughs> it's half white, half mud.
0: But uh, yeah.
1: everybody he has that great line. I think I'm beginning to figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah, well, he has has his moments in the sun. He he does like playing the uh, the Chandler-esque, you know, taking things up. And I don't mean Chandler-esque from Friends. (laughs) Could I be any more of a mystery? But
1: Uh, two other things, um, just before we move on to the next one. Um, One I've mentioned, but didn't uh, sort of make the link, in the pub scene where Fargo's quite drunk and he's saying, oh, he cost me 20 quid but there's, an extra, there's a clause where I have to pay more if his image is ever used on stamps. I just find it interesting that was the second reference to stamps after the Beast has a tremendous fear of stamps.
0: Yeah, I didn't even pick that up the first time until you mentioned it earlier. But, uh,
1: um, but now does this mean that if, and I, I'm literally just thinking about this now, if Chris's face was used on stamps, then it would cost more because the Beast would be afraid of Chris because he'd been on stamps then. I don't know. Maybe, the, the or maybe chickens. maybe they just had stamps on the brain when they were writing this up. He would have got
0: away with it too, if one of those pesky priests. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: But another thing um, in terms of the outside search and the howling that's going on, uh, there's a lot of, I guess, smoke or haze, uh, if you like, um, making it very spooky. And also there's a weird camera angle. The camera's at a... Uh, it's kind of tilted to its side, so you've got the the line of the uh, the... Stone wall in the field where they're walking is not parallel with the bottom and top of the screen, if you like. Right, and, yes, and, yeah. and, and and they're off to one side, um, which you know throws in that spooky feel. And it's actually some quite clever, but also comedy, uh, camera work. Well, right. and, and then then when you see the the stereo up in the tree, it just straightens up, and, and the, th- as the mystery is solved.
0: Ah uh, yes, yes, so uh, everything's coming back to normal. No, well, I, as I said, like they do love their their horror tropes, and we were describing in an earlier episode. Uh, do you remember when uh, Land Rabbits, <laughs> when Jack leaves leaves his room and goes into Len's room? Oh yes, yeah. And there's a CCTV footage. It's like I was speaking to Graham Harrison, who was a horror fan, and he said he he could not think where that where they came up with that. So they love their horror things so much that we think they actually invented one. Oh. Uh, because that obviously then became found footage and you know CCTV and everything. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, they like that was probably something from the Evil Dead or something the, the crooked camera that sort of writes itself or something. Yes. Uh, I haven't seen Evil Dead, so I can't comment, but...
1: Uh... So then Ted starts to think he's figured out what's going on. And yeah. we and we cut to the denouement. The
0: well, we the, go back to the King of the Sheep.
1: Sheep of, of, of year And the, with the, the menu.
0: Yes, everything on the menu is rack of lamb. <laughs> so yeah. the King of the Sheep, uh, he, he gets a life of luxury as uh, the Prince of Sheeps. Sure. The Prince of Sheep, yeah. if you want. Yes. It ends up on the dinner place. <laughs> uh,
1: I, guess, I guess so. There's a, a guy with a fantastic accent, Alan the Judge.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh, he's got a, a lovely uvular ah. Um, Sorry,
0: I didn't catch your name there. Alan. Don't <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. uh, be too hard on the Alan.
0: But, but yeah, he's, when he goes, I'll get straight to the point, and then just babbles on for another ten minutes. Yeah. Like, on your wedding, when your wedding bets, was there, something like that happen?
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like how how long is each person going to speak for? How long are the speeches going to last? Every, everyone throws in a quid. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, the, uh, I, I, something I also noticed in this scene for the first time is that on one of the cutaways, so like Alan's talking, is going on and on and on, and then it cuts to the three guys, the three sheep farmers uh, Fargo, Giant, and Hud. Um, but in front of them, there's a guy sat down at a table, and he just has the most massive cigar. It's huge. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just so big. Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, he's just popping on this. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, it's King of the Sheep, like, guess no... Oh, yeah, it's... is the social event of the year, like, <laughs> is. on the island.
1: That have the uh, lovely girls.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, then Ted drops his, uh, drops his bombshell. The winner of this year's King of the Sheep competition is... Stop! Oh. Oh. What is the meaning of this? This competition is a sham and a fraud and a sham. Oh. Oh. How dare you? There's been a deliberate... And scurrilous attempt to sabotage this high-profile sheep competition. And those responsible are in this very room. Giant Reed and Hud Hastings.
1: Oh, fuck oh, no. No. Oh, no.
0: You better have something to back that open, father. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> and the crowd is uh, the crowd is aghast. Including yes. our meet the baker? Graham Lenahan. Yep. Fucking out
1: oh. <laughs> The first not the first time I heard it, the first time I heard it, I thought he was shouting fucking hell, uh, which he was. He was, yeah. But then for a while later, because someone had told me, I thought it was the old canal trick, which is where you can say the word canal, it works better in an English accent, um, at the end of a sort of hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. And if you say canal, it sounds like the end of you saying fucking hell.
0: Yes, right, so again, you know,
1: yeah. Canal, <laughs> um, sort of thing. The, the best example, or... Riff on it is in Only Fools and Horses, actually, where, in my opinion, where um, Rodney and Delboy go to France and Delboy is complaining that he's never fully had a grasp on the French language uh, and he'd love to know what they call doc a la ronge. <laughs> and Rodney goes, it's Canard. <laughs> yeah. and Delboy goes, Yeah, it is difficult, Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> um, but uh, no, um, Gremlin does in fact shout uh,
0: fucking, fucking hell. hell. Uh, well, that absolutely cracked me up the first time I saw that uh, as a 11 or 12 year old. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Like that would me doubled up for a good five minutes and then I actually missed what was happening for the next joke or I th- whatever. I thought
1: one thing that was really good though was for a lot of people, uh, and particularly in those days, there, there would have been a thing of, well, surely that didn't actually happen. I just imagined it. Yeah. So then the fact they do it again, two is, minutes later, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it very, very smart.
0: Well, yeah, because like there was no swearing on TV, well not in sitcoms anyway. You would have got it in like maybe the, the hard edge dramas and stuff. Yeah. Uh, until South Park* came along, which still hadn't debuted at this point, so there was no there was no swearing. So when uh, Father somebody in Father head said it twice in two minutes, like. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I not know, was it scripted or? Mind you, Channel Four was always that bit edgier. Yeah. I think in series one of Blackadder, they used up, you used to get a swearing quota.
0: Oh, for really, the right. series, yeah, for the BBC.
1: Um, and uh, I think they used it all up in one swear, one, one fuck. Uh, I, I, <laughs> well, I, I could One could fuck equivalent
0: to like Three Bastards or something, or? Yeah, it was, it was something
1: <laughs> like that, but uh, yeah, it's exactly that kind right, of yeah. thing.
0: Well, uh, I did want to bring up, like I said, it was the Meet the Maker, uh, which is our running, running thing. Uh, so it's now six four, where Graham has got uh, is now catching up to to Ian. What's the a in there Arthur. Yeah. Uh, so he's going through a list season surge. He might, he might actually catch him up because it was at six six one at one point.
1: Six one. To
0: yeah. Arthur to Arthur, and he hasn't, been, hasn't showed up since.
1: Wow. So uh, gosh, I'm surprised at that. I would have thought there'd be like level
0: pegging him it. Well, Arthur went flying into lead uh, in the first series, the like first five, series. like five to zero or something, and then so uh, five episodes. Well, in the maybe season. not five, but like he definitely went miles ahead and yeah, like he's going to be uh, untouchable but 6-4 so you might, uh, might actually catch him i can't i yeah. can't actually think of when i've seen them again since what's to come well there's the football episodes football kicking Fisher Brennan yeah uh, there's Pat Mustard there's Owen Mclove which i haven't seen in absolute years so they may have showed up in that and i've just forgotten uh, and then there's the mainland which I'm, i didn't like that at the time so i haven't watched so much since oh really yeah
1: my friend Connors in
0: that what's his name Connor?
1: Connor Lovett and who does he play? He plays... Um, I can't remember his name, but he, he's uh, the bald man at Alcoholics Anonymous.
0: Ah, yes, who tries to close yeah, yeah, Jack yeah. back. Like, yeah. Ah, right. Uh, well, we'll, we'll mention that in the, in the episode then. No, the reason I didn't like it is because I really hated One from the Grave. And has, oh. to have such a crossover element, so, uh, it's so prevalent in an episode.
1: Richard Wilson has just pulled out of the festival, actually.
0: The Edinburgh Festival? Yeah, uh, he but, was going
1: to come and do a show, but he...
0: Exactly. Oh really? Oh gosh! Well, yeah.
1: So now, now look what you've
0: done. Now, now I feel guilty. Okay, I love <laughs> it. I really, I love it. But uh, yeah, so they <laughs> go through, I go through what, uh, what was happening uh, with the conspiracy through flashbacks. And as we said, they were a bit more overt in the flashbacks. So when uh, Fargo emerges from John and Mary's, you can clearly read BBC Sound Effects yes. Volume Five, and uh, you can see the price side, uh, and you can also see the bribes they're giving when they're oh, th- yeah. from the very start. With a lovely old FIHA punt.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With uh, Daniel O'Connell's face,
0: yeah, the twenty pound note before but the euro.
1: There's no price tag on um, on the crown.
0: So that was just on, the on fact Hodgepodge. of a right? Yeah. Yeah, but
1: what is in the in frame is father is Ted, is Ted's back, and Ted being there, and like all the other ones uh, are just individually. So you've got Fargo, and it's sort of from Ted's point of view. Yeah. And then you've got uh, you've got Giant in his coat with the price tag, again, from Ted's point of view. And then the third one, Ted's in shot, while he's saying, and a crown. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I was watching that again this morning, actually, thinking, is that just testament to the fact that we often choose to remember things a certain way, and it's very different to the, the actual reality? Yes, yeah,
0: true, actually, yeah. Well, Chris Nolan made his breakthrough film out of just that idea. Yeah. Memento.
1: So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, all the flashbacks. Um, and, yeah, it was very Agatha Christie. Yes, yeah. Uh, um, I'm surprised there was... Murder
0: She sort of idea. I,
1: yeah, I guess they were going for um, more of a a horror or maybe even...
0: Strange on a train sort of thing? Or... Uh,
1: and and I I guess I've always kind of thought that it, it, they could have been a bit more low-key and gone for like a, a Columbo or a Poirot uh, sort of cool, calm... And collected, reveal that. Ah, oh, but you didn't account for. Uh, I, it's just Ted being manic, which I suppose, is a bit more true to character. Yes, Day.
0: yeah. Well, he he loves he yeah. loves the fact that he's able to prove everyone wrong. I think as well.
1: The vanity of yeah. your <laughs>
0: accomplices. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's big sermonizing. So this is probably this third time we see it. Well, sermonizing. Yeah. So imagine when he's like on the pulpit, like <laughs> when he actually does bother to not run it in. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So after when, it, when he wraps everything up, he goes. I'm going to leave now. There's a bit of a stench in here. There's a real sort of down your nose. <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is literally true as well because it's full of sheep.
0: Well, this is true, yeah. yeah.
1: Imagine trying to try have a really, really nice lunch in in a sheep barn. I mean, yeah. sheep are smelly animals. I,
0: I, I don't know them up close, but I do really love sheep. Like, they're so cuddly and so docile. And
1: have you ever hugged a sheep?
0: Uh, Lambs. We used to have uh, a lamb. Lambs
1: are different, though. I'd say sheep would give you a nasty nip if you tried to give it too much of a squeeze.
0: Well, we had, my granny had a goat for a while, oh, uh, they, they love nipping you, yeah. Yeah. We,
1: Should we, they'll eat anything?
0: Yeah, well, I can't remember what the plant was, but like, there were these sort of Irish versions of bamboo shoots uh, at the back as well. Uh, they just grew up in about a week, and they grew up to about 12, 14 feet or something. Set the goat on them? The go- yeah, the goat, just we just tied it near the nose near and it just plowed through them. That's why
1: pandas are dying
0: because the goats have been eating Eat other bamboo. bamboo yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they go, they have a lovely walk into the sunset. Beautiful uh, sunset. Beautiful sunset, yeah. Absolutely uh, gorgeous. Uh, which reminded me of Only Fools and Horses, the final scene. Oh, the final yeah. proper scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if that was intentional, because Only Fools would have finished just before that, in 96. Yeah,
1: maybe.
0: Uh, or if it was just, you know, the old cliche of walking into sunshine, that yeah. or the sunset that Only Fools was taking, the of. But that's, it just put me in, in mind of that. But uh, Ted uh, Dougal reminds him, If uh, Chris has been disqualified, that means you've lost him. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Ted just does this brilliant quiet tantrum. Yeah, jumping up and down with his head (laughs) in his hands.
0: Uh, Poor old Ted, like he he thought he had his little victory, but uh, snapped away from. But
1: that's another example of Ted also being trying to be too clever. Yeah, just being really stupid while Dougal's just keeping it simple and being simple.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So it's just simplicity is the best medicine. Uh, so, what, what ends up happening then is they have to go into hibernation during the winter months because it's going to be, as the weather, uh, as the weather news had warned them, it's going to be a very cold winter. So, they, they go into their large boxes. But, uh, yeah?
1: Yeah, um, in they go with their sleeping bags, hot water bottles, uh, Mrs. Does done meet you little lunchbox in a thermos.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to see them through the winter anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, uh all of this goes under the credits and i've just got my notes here and it was actually priscilla who played played chris so apologies priscilla yeah she's probably dead now
0: queen of the desert as well uh (laughs) i wonder i wonder was there any element of jolly sheep which was big in the news around this time having influence on them for the
1: uh i yeah i couldn't express an opinion although of course the catholic church is very opposed to cloning and uh uh,
0: all
1: that that gene stuff so
0: uh they don't like people playing god so they don't like morgan freeman or Magnum P.I. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Darth Vader. Darth
0: Vader, yeah. Maybe
1: they're all supposed to be lesser gods, and that's why they're all on that list.
0: Because the Shatland have strange before me, as you well know. Yes. From, your, from one out of the ten. I think that's the first one, actually. Yeah. That, that's the most important one. Like, three ahead of the Shatland kill. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's
1: the first one. Yeah. So the first three deal with God don't uh,
0: and The fourth deal with uh, try to be a better human being.
1: Yeah, well, I think I think uh, four through to ten are between you and your neighbour.
0: Yeah, you see a lot of comment to neighbor's wife.
1: Yes, or goods. Or goods. Uh, that's or that's bear it. false witness against, same neighbour. Or indeed any other.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Uh,
1: or steal, just in general.
0: Um, yeah, they're a yeah, pretty odd set of uh, set of commandments, as a lot of people have pointed out. Greater thinkers than myself. But uh, yeah, so just your thoughts overall. Uh,
1: um, Overall, I'd say a fairly middling episode.
0: Middling, right, okay.
1: Um, You know, good, funny jokes there. Quite interesting, different, because I think it it took us very much out of the... Not that there's a norm, because every episode's unique, it's different, but it wasn't something that... We didn't meet any other priests. Yes. So, it was more about life on Craggy Island than about the situation and how Ted being a priest has a bearing on it or them knowing other priests has a bearing on it like one of the favorite things I'm sure you have spoken about this on the podcast in the past about it, is just you they take a word not even necessarily an adjective it could be a noun like monkey and yeah. you put that in front of the word priest and then you've got a character yes exactly. You know. yeah. <laughs> um, and if you take something else that's about uh, about craggy island and about the people on craggy island you could take the old grey whistle theft but still in that you've got father damo yes, so you've got yeah. the cool priest and um, and then of course you've got all the various ones who's in competition with larry Duff, uh and you've got kicking bishop brennan up the arse coming up i know and yeah, yeah. uh and also the football match one so um yeah that's that's the way in which this one i think is quite rare
0: in that yeah it's about the, it's about the island and uh, funny you mention that uh and you're you're right actually uh it's first time you see Ted actually performing the functions of a priest. Because Fargo Boyle, his first call is to Ted. Yes. Uh, and Ted straight away down to his house. Uh, and, yeah, it's Ted's actual position as a priest on the island. Uh,
1: He's doing some pastoral
0: work for the first time. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I actually thought it was a very strong episode. But I don't think I can put it in the top five contenders. For the only reason is that I've already got far too many. Yeah. And, and uh, Well, that's
1: when I say middling. Like, I think they're all... I think it's a fantastic show, they're all up there, but so, so it's in my extremely broad middle middle bracket yeah, well, where the they're all just on an extremely high power level.
0: Well I mean, since it since was chatting to the day, I was actually thinking maybe I should put it in the top five contenders, but but I really can't because I've already got, uh, let me think.
1: What are your top five at the moment?
0: Well I've got the contenders, or episode three, which is the uh, down that sort of thing, episode yeah. four, can't remember off the top of my head seven eight nine ten eleven so the first half of season two yeah almost entirely and then uh number 17 which was the last episode uh are you right there father ted for the racism episode okay and i know there's two to come or at least two to come but um
1: you've got uh, the mainland as well
0: the mainland i don't think that'll be a top five that'll have to that'll have to really turn me around to be a top five contender but pat mustard
1: pat Mustard. yeah strong and contender.
0: Kicking, Bishop, bending up the arch and then possibly also on a globe. So, like, yeah. I'm gonna for a top five contender, I'm gonna have a, you know half the series. <laughs> so, I have to be ruthless, and that's the only reason this one doesn't get uh, doesn't get the top five. Well, not the contenders, anyway. Yeah, no, it, very good. Like, and, and there was plenty of jokes. There was plenty of depth to the episode. As you said, it it introduced new characters, but without introducing new priests, so it they did sort of st- spread their wings a wee bit. And uh, yeah, again, if this was an episode of any other sitcom is probably one of the best of that sitcom but it's a middling feathered head episode which again shows. is no bad thing exactly exactly well thank you very much for uh for meeting me and uh my pleasure james yes yeah and i'm gonna have a great time now in edinburgh i'm gonna have a fight yourself and then i'm gonna see some shows You can find us on uh, Facebook.com slash Ecumenical Matters. On the Father Ted subreddit, there will be a conversation thread which you can contribute to and add your own comments to. Uh, You can find me at at James I McInnesby on Twitter.
1: Um, I'm at M underscore keen on Twitter and yes. That's, that's where you can find me.
0: And look out for Battle Axe, that's your, uh, that's your that's, improv, that's group improv group yep. in London, yep. so you do regular shows in London as well, don't you?
1: Uh, yeah, as well as various other comedy festivals.
0: Fantastic. And uh, the London comedy writers, I didn't give them a good enough plug in episode 9 when I had two members, Jordan and uh, Ollie. I think well you mentioned They're the fact they were both here. from London comedy writers. Both
1: absolutely brilliant comedy writers they are
0: actually, yeah, in their yeah. own right. Uh, so, yeah, so look out for London comedy writers They've got a YouTube channel and some of their material. And some of yours as well, is there up there?
1: No, none of mine is up there at the moment, but who knows what will come. Out. Well, exactly.
0: Well, thank you very much for listening, and bless you.